And the fact is this, boys, there's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Hey, and welcome to The Curve Podcast. My name is Andrew Pierce, bringing you discussions about films and culture with the people who bring them to life. This podcast is recorded in Bulu, Perth, Western Australia, sovereignty never ceded. When the short story Cat Person by Kristen Rupinian was published in The New Yorker in 2017, it immediately went viral over the internet with readers resonating with the way modern day dating can quickly turn toxic. It's a compelling place for director Susanna Fogel to build from with her adaptation of the short story. Here, Cat Person follows Amelia Jones's Margot, a ticket person at a cinema in America. She awkwardly encounters Robert, played by Nicholas Braun, and eventually the two start dating. He tells her that he owns cats, and outwardly seems like a pleasant individual. But as the relationship continues and Margot visits his house, she realises there are no cats. Meanwhile, Margot's friend Taylor, played by Geraldine Viswanthinen, is ringing verbal alarm bells over Robert. Is he the man he actually appears to be, or is there something nefarious at play? The tension builds to a masterfully staged sex scene between Margot and Robert, which presents the action of consent playing out brilliantly. In the following interview of the, with Susanna Fogel, she talks about the grey area of tension that exists within Cat Person, as well as the journey of ad- adapting the text to the screen. Cat Person launches in Australian cinemas on November 23, and to listen to other interviews, visit thecurb.com.au. For now, here is a clip from the film, followed by the interview with Susanna. Is that that guy Robert again? Listen, concession stand girl. Why don't you give me your number? Wait, you never said where he goes to school. I think he just works. Oysters, come on. He has cats. His eyes are nice. They crinkle. Yeah, because he's old. I think I really like him. As promised. (laughs) I'm not saying I will have sex with him. But I think he would like it. Why are we having this conversation? He's a terrible kisser. Listen to me. Call it a night. Hey, do we want to do this? This is the worst life decision I've ever made. Where are you? Thank you so much for your time. What, I am in what Perth. Part of Australia? Amazing. Uh, Perth, Western Australia. Yeah. I, um, I, one of my favorite actresses is, who I've worked with is from Perth. I've worked with her twice, Shannon Berry. Shout out to Shannon Berry. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Uh, you know, most people have no idea that Perth exists. So it's wonderful <laughs> that you at least do. So thank you. I literally <laughs> only know about it. I literally only know about it from her. But, but I, but yes, anyway. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your film. I found it uh, both compelling, uh, terrifying, and a little bit comedic as well. Uh, This great kind of blend of genres and styles there. And uh, I wonder if you can start off talking about the horror element, I guess, of Cat Person in some capacity where we see Margot racing through the possibilities of what might happen in any situation. Now, if you can start talking about the creative choices of bringing those internal thought process to life on screen would be wonderful. Yeah, um... You know, I talked a lot to Michelle, the writer, about this. I mean, basically, it's, I was thinking about my own experience of fear and women's experiences of fear. And the truth is that we all have a very vivid picture of what, what it's like to be in danger because 
of all the movies and TV shows we've seen where women are, are, you know, victimized. So it's like, it's easy to call up those images when you're scared. Uh, cause we've seen them. We've seen, we've seen women in every movie become, you know, they're, they're, they're usually the victims of, of things. So in a weird way, there's like a clip reel that's like always pl- playing on, underneath your normal life where at the, at a, at a trigger, like you're walking down a dark alley and you hear a noise. It's like you're hypervigilant and also all the imagery is like right there in your head about what could happen. So part yeah. of it is, and, and you can be a, a, a confident and like carefree person. If you're a woman, you still have that, like in your lizard brain, that's still there. So I think that's, um, that's the thing we wanted to show just like, she's got these images and they kind of, they do reference movies. Like th- there is, there is like, there's sort of an implicit movie reference in all of her fantasies and fears. And she's also like a movie person, but even if she wasn't a cinephile, that would be the case. She's got, she's in the world. She's in culture. She sees She's trying to figure out what movie she's in the whole time. She's like, is this a romantic comedy? Did I just meet the love of my life? He's not quite playing the Hugh Grant role he's supposed to be playing. And also, am I, you know, a final girl in a horror movie where I've just met the man who's mm-hmm. going to like, you know, bring me to my demise? Yeah. You know? On the flip side as well, obviously, that's a major part of the film. But the other part, which I found was really lovely and having watched your films as well, there is this focus on female friendship that, it's, it hasn't really been focused on in a lot of modern films in some capacity. And, you know, whether it's supporting one another, um, you know, I'm thinking of The Spy Who Dumped Me or even Booksmart, yeah. for example. And I'm curious if you can talk about what drew you to that kind of friendship uh, between Margot and Taylor in Cat Person. Yeah, I mean, I um, I love, uh, there's, there's so many movies where the woman is the only woman. Like, she's just a woman going about her life or she has a sort of a sidekick that's like more of a foil for her in like a comedic or heightened way where it's like a crazy friend but uh (laughs) but like in this I I feel like my friendships are so defining of my life especially at that age and all the way up until you find a partner or if you don't find a partner your whole life it's like that's those are the people that you you crowdsource all of your interactions with like analysis wise like you're like what does this mean let me ask my let me ask my friend, my friend needs to give me insight. And sometimes like in the case of their friendship, her friend is an unreliable narrator in her own right, because everyone is just the sum of their own personality and projections and experiences. So Taylor's like bringing to the table, the most paranoid, um, the most paranoid sort of negative opinion about people based on the fact that she's always on social media, where it's the most paranoid negative people talking the most. (laughs) Um, so it, it it's interesting to like, they both have a real friendship that's nurturing and loving. And also Taylor is a completely extreme lens on the world as is Margot's mom. So, but yeah, I mean, the idea of this friendship sort of being there and having so much commonality, but also the way we rely on our friends to help us interpret things without really realizing that they're just as in the dark as we are is something that felt relatable to me. Um, and also just showing Margot as like a funny person who gets the joke and seeing, seeing how comfortable Margot and Taylor are when they're hanging out and it makes you want Margot to find a man who she can be that comfortable around, mm, you know, and you see yeah. that the conversations with Robert are so stilted. You don't get to see that Margot come out and you're like, but with Taylor, she's this, can she just be a version of that with Robert? But she can't because it's not like that with him. Yeah. 
on the same hand as well, there's the film plays in this wonderful gray area with Robert where we're just not sure about exactly who he is, but it's not just him that the film plays in a gray area. There are a whole bunch of other characters and the themes also play in a gray area, which then at the conclusion leaves the audience considering the gray area in their own life. And I'm curious if you can talk about operating in that kind of gray area of who's good, who's bad, uh, what's the in-between. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think for me, I know that that I don't want to tell stories where someone is only one thing. Um, I mean, unless it's like an assassin and spy who dumped me that's just getting shot, but that's that's a whole other thing. But you know, so it's 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 a I think the context in which people exist and behave is so specific and needs to be looked at too. So you know, if you're looking at this as a story about like a younger woman and an older man, I think the context for Robert being a man who is dating a younger woman, the context for him being unsure about certain things, the context for him being quick to anger in other ways, like all of that context matters. And we need to, to, I think the more we sort of make people only one thing, the more we actually just like drive all of those negative feelings underground. And then we get like incel culture because they feel like unseen and unheard and on whatever. And I think when we talk about the most extreme form of people who, you know, who are guilty of assault or the most toxic men, it's like, that's not most men. I mean, it's it, most people exist in a gray and there's some behaviors that are, that are, that are toxic. There's other behaviors where they're just vulnerable. Robert's like a person who wants to fall in love. That's relatable. You know, there's, there's a need to try to see the humanity in people. And it doesn't mean excusing the behavior, but contextualizing it is so important. Otherwise, I think if you're saying, nope, that's what you are, you, I have 40 characters or less to describe you and you, you can define yourself in one text message. Mm. We're sort of denying the complexity of, of a person. And I think when people feel like their complexity is being denied or they're not seen, that's when they get angry and that's when bad things happen actually, you know? So that we really wanted to show that part of Robert um, because he's a person who is hurt. He's like been hurt before and all of that. And he, it's like metastasized into paranoia and anger that makes him really scary, which makes her scared, which makes him offended, which makes her placate him, which makes, you know, it's like, it's just a stew of things, but it's a, it's a call and response. It's not just man, man being toxic in a vacuum. So yeah. I want, I want, I want men to see the movie and say, yeah, I relate. Like I relate to the guy who's like, but you texted me 2000 times. You like me, you texted me, look at these texts, look at the evidence. Like that's such a human thing to think when you get your heart broken. So I, you know, I wanted enough of those moments where you're like, you feel bad for him. And then maybe you feel bad for feeling bad because you're not used to feeling bad in a movie like this. And for the guy. So anyway, I wanted all of that complexity to be there. And with Marco's complexity, you know, it's, it's more straightforward with her. She's she's younger. You're, she's the way in. She's the younger one. You're not judging her as harshly. So she could be a little bit, I don't want to say flawed, but like psychologically complex. So she doesn't want to be in the situation with Robert by the time she gets into it sexually, but also she's really into feeling desired. And that's a big part of her attraction to him is, is the, that she sees herself reflected as this hot, young, sexy person in the eyes of this older guy who feels lucky to be with her like that that turns her on like her own sense of power so i think that's 
that's a level that we don't usually see in young women. We usually see them as like either vixens or villains, but it's not as complex as, as the truth. And the truth is that like, like part of her did want it. And then part of her didn't want it. And she kind of like, she liked the attention because it made her feel really good. But then at the moment of truth where she has to kind of like be in an intimate situation, she feels deeply uncomfortable. And then she's like, Oh God, I can't, I sort of, I sort of set up the situation for myself. So I have to play it out. And that's a deeply vulnerable thing to think for somebody who was just a second ago, feeling really confident about her hotness, you know? So it's all, it's all part mm. of the view, I think. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole sequence that you're talking about, uh, which I won't go into spoilers, but it is a perfect example of consent and needing to actually discuss things before people get intimate and having the whole conversation. So the conversation's not running in your head during the actual scene uh, while it's happening. Um, Is that kind of something that you're hoping that people might take away from the film and have a conversation with their partner about? Because I know that women going into this film are going to see a completely different film than Mm -hmm. most of the men who might go and see it will do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like I want women to feel seen. I want women to see themselves in Margot um, more than they might in a care, in a movie about a woman who's sort of one thing or another. And, and for men, I mean, some of my favorite viewers have been men who are like feminist, enlightened, good guys who marry successful, confident women. Like they're not, they're not doing what Robert's doing, but they recognize just a moment of themselves in him or something where they're like, oh, I'm not a bad guy, but I've done what he did or I've lashed out before or something. Um, I'm hoping that like, it just gives a little bit of insight to them about a thing that they might've done in the past that wasn't like extreme, but was experienced differently by the woman than they might've thought at the time. Um, I'm hoping that people talk about, I mean, there's something that I kind of, the idea about consent in general is, I think has become very simplified in the culture. Like you're supposed to get the yes. And if you get the yes, then like, there's no, nothing else needs to be analyzed. And Mm. it's, I mean, Margot does consent, you know, it's not a movie about her saying no and him saying, I'm going to proceed. Like it's actually, he actually asks a lot of times and she says yes, a lot Mm. of times. And, and so I understand why he didn't know that she didn't mean yes, but I also understand that she didn't feel like she could say no. So I think both sometimes talking to men and women about that scene, men are like, why didn't she just leave? And and the women are like, she couldn't. And he's like, why? And they're like, because you don't get it. You know? So I, I know those conversations are really like going to be interesting. Um, and I also think, you know, just watching the consent thing play out, it's like, she's saying yes. And he's in his own head trying to like perform in this way that he thinks will impress her. You know, he's trying to perform like Harrison Ford, cool guy leading up to the sex. And then in the mm-hmm. sex, he's like trying to, you know, he he's, he's like seen more sex in porn than he's had sex with actual human women. So he's like trying to like emulate a thing and he's in his own head. Like he's in his own head. He's not comfortable enough with himself to be dialed into what she's thinking. He's trying to perform mm-hmm. well so that he's good in bed so that he can get to the next level with her, you know? And and she, I think when you see all the moments where he's kind of in his head and she's, the look on her face is one that is not, hit, they're on such different pages and the camera sees her face 
it's like there's all these clues that are not verbal that he is just missing. And um, and that's not to be punitive of him for missing them, but you see that he's missing it. You see how much more complex it is than just like, can I do this? Yes. Okay, good. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been it's been really wonderful to be able to talk with you about the film. I obviously, like everybody else, had read the short story and then uh, discovered uh, that, you know, somebody great was going to be behind directing and bringing to screen and you've done a magnificent job. So congratulations to you and the team uh, for you. really quite a powerful film. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that I hope that Australia goes to see this movie, not only because we have yeah. an Australian in the movie, but um, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll, look, now I've got a reason I'll tell everybody and say, look, Susanna knows where Perth is on the map. So I know where you know, Perth you're, is. You're Geraldine, the right thing. <laughs> Gerald, Geraldine, is, Geraldine, who plays Taylor, is from Newcastle. Like, we got to get people out to this theatre. Damn straight. Well, I'll make sure this happens. Uh, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I really appreciate Cheers. it, Andrew. Take care. Thanks.